Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Spitting Seeds podcast. Uh, got a chance to talk to Joshua Freed with my buddy Ruben Savchuk. I had a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did. Uh, it started off a little bit slow. I think the lack of abilities and experience on my end of interviewing somebody, I guess, that I'm less familiar with and stuff is evident. So excuse any flaws and lack of abilities of being a great Joe Rogan interviewer. But no, I think got to know Joe, uh, not Joe, uh, Joshua Freed a lot more. Got to hear his his views, his thoughts. But also want to put some emphasis on the local government does play a big impact on our daily lives. Kind of like even right now with Trump saying one thing, Inslee doing totally different, and what Inslee is doing if affecting our like daily lives a lot more than what Trump thinks and says and whatnot. So definitely local government is a big part of our lives. So if you are able to vote, uh, register if you haven't, uh, vote, get it done. You'd be surprised how little of people actually elect people that represent us and local government. And yeah, it comes down to people actually voting. It sounds as simple as that, but very small percentage of people actually voting. And yeah, listen to the interview. Enjoy, uh, enjoy it. And last thing before we get into our talk with Joshua is if you enjoy it, if you learn something, if it's even a tenth of a percent beneficial, a tiny bit beneficial, you enjoy that even a tiny bit, if you could throw it up on the socials, give a shout out, there'll be a link on my Instagram bio, or you could just look it up on Apple Podcasts or whatever, yeah, yeah. just look up Spitting Seeds Podcast and it should be there, but yeah, thank you for the shout outs ahead of time, and I hope you guys enjoy as much as we did, and now to our talk with Joshua. And we are live. Welcome to Spitting Seeds Podcast once again. And we have a great privilege. Of, okay, first, uh, on today's podcast, it's myself, Vasily, and I have Ruben Savchuk with me. Hey, everyone. And we're privileged and honored to that he, in his busy schedule, allowed us to meet with him for a little bit of time and talk to him, which is who is uh, Joshua Freed. If you could say hello, introduce yourself a little bit, kind of like, I guess the idea for the podcast is for somebody, let's say our audience, mostly like younger people, and let's say somebody, you've seen the name, seen the signs, seen sure. the ads, and they're like, but who is he really as a person? So that's kind of the idea. Maybe not get as super into policies and lawmaking and all the details, but more of like, who is this Joshua Fried guy that I keep seeing everywhere? Sure. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, coming, gentlemen, and look forward to the discussion ahead. Yeah, I'm Joshua Freed, and I'm married to Lindy. We've been married for 23 years. We have five kids from 21 years old down to 14-year-olds, uh, twin boys, so we have a lot of fun. Three boys, two girls. Been a businessman doing um, real estate development and home building for 15 years, mm-hmm. and then also served on Bothell City Council for 12 years and served as mayor. Done a lot of work around the world in ministry, whether it's in the Philippines, doing work with the International Deaf Education Association, 
There's 350 kids in uh, different schools that we have there for the last, uh, well, 21 years, seven different schools. It's been amazing. And then doing a lot of work in Kenya as well, building health centers and drilling wells for the Maasai tribe there. And those ministries, do you... Uh is it more from church uh, ministries, or you have like your own like nonprofit or something, or how do you do those ministries? Yeah, we started a nonprofit several years ago. We did start originally working through our church, and then uh, through time, we just started our own nonprofit called Globe Leadership, and so it's really focused on teaching biblical leadership to college age and high school students. Yes. So glo- Globe Leadership, okay, that's good to know if you in case uh, want to like you know look it up, see yeah, you know look sure. in, look into it. And then, uh, but yeah, some of the questions that even, you know, before this meeting, I, the, I was thinking, you know, talking to my friends about it. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to be talking to Joshua. Uh, anything I should ask. And one of the questions was, looks like you leaned in into like Slavic community, you know, even seems like, you know, spending time. Even I think you were uh, at the uh, Ukrainian church uh, this past Sunday, if yeah. I you remember right. And the question was why? leaning in into Slavic community maybe even so much because I guess the question was what are the voting numbers even as, as far as Slavic community because mm-hmm. I was assuming the Slavic community doesn't really come out to vote as much they're not as involved in politics so kind of okay why for Joshua to spend so much time if maybe these people are not even going to come out to vote or the idea is to hopefully you know encourage them and teach them to get out and vote and let them know that it actually makes a difference well I I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to connect with the Slavic community, and um, really the communities reached out to me a lot and invited me to different meetings, gatherings, and very proactive right now. So I think a lot are getting registered to vote and are going to be participating in this election cycle this time. I mean, many of the times when we hold rallies in downtown Olympia on the Capitol steps mm-hmm. or in the park right there, a lot of people from the Slavic community are coming out because they don't like the rise of socialism here in Washington oh, yeah. State. And so many are familiar with that looks like, and so it makes them extremely uncomfortable, and they want to get involved. And so I've been invited, as you said, to speak at a couple different Slavic churches, met with many Slavic pastors across Washington State, and of course connected to good Slavic friends, and yeah, um, yeah really enjoying my time being able to be part of your community. And let's say for, you know, in Slavic community, and let's say maybe many of, you know, of us don't know as much, let's say, how much effect, let's say, the local, you know, voting elections actually matter. A lot of us, you know, assuming, you know, the regular folk, like, oh, you know, as long as the president's good, we're fine. And can you comment more of the effect of local government actually having effect on our actually personal lives rather than somebody from Washington, D.C. affecting somebody living, you know, a neighborhood in federal way? That's a great question. I mean, our president obviously is uh, over all 50 states, but we do have independently elected governors in each of the states. So when you look at this COVID response and uh, the stay-at-home order in Washington state, we're one of the last nine states to be open mm-hmm. now. And so he's now doing this phased approach where you can be a 1, 1.5, 2, 2.5, <laughs> and then go back to 1. So you can see how much power a governor has, certainly here in Washington state when he has a personal vendetta right now, Mm -hmm. and he's doing everything opposite of what our president wants to do by getting our economy moving again, because ultimately 
getting people back to work means jobs, and jobs are the ability for individuals to provide for families. Right here in Washington, we have a governor who separates people into groups of essential versus non-essential, says you can go to work or not go to work. Meanwhile, he sends a billion dollars to a Nigerian fraud ring, and people are waiting for weeks or months to get unemployment checks. Mm -hmm. So a governor Mm -hmm. has a tremendous amount of power over uh, 7.5 million citizens' lives right now, and I think that we need to change that. That's why I'm running. Yeah, I guess that was one of the questions as well. How much power does governor actually have? Or, let's say, can he get challenged? Let's say even seems like Inslee's going unchallenged with all of his... You know, many of us would call ridiculous rules and laws and regulations and all shutdowns. And let's say when it comes, let's say one of the questions was, when it comes to let's say shutdowns and COVID, let's say what's your view? What, what would you do differently? Because let's say again, you know, Slavic community more like religious, more you know, gro- growing up in churches. And I, I think in California, uh, f- I think it's a like Grace Community Church, at John MacArthur's church, and apparently they. He's like, you know, we're going to meet. You know, it's our risk to take. We're going to meet if the, you know, members decide to come. And I guess either the city or the state government threatened that they're going to disconnect the power in the building if they do meet. And I'm like, man, that's, I feel like that's already crossing a couple lines where people are willing to take the risk, but then the government's like, no, that's too risky. I guess when, when you are elected governor and when it comes to, let's say, crisis and situations like this, and let's say if you were to, you know, inherit this whole COVID situation, what would you do differently from Inslee? Yeah, well, I would have never divided us into groups of essential versus non-essential like Governor Inslee did, telling people that they can go to pot shops or liquor stores to cure their anxiety or if they're into materialism and they feel better to go shopping to Target and Walmart. But he says, if you're a person of faith, you can't go pray with your spiritual leader or a brother in the Lord, whatever it might be. So I actually brought a case in federal court to fight for our religious liberty, saying you don't have the power, Governor Inslee, to separate if two of us wanted to get together to pray. Mm-hmm. And we had victory in court about eight weeks ago. And even Attorney General Barr said, Joshua, you proved in court that Inslee does not have the power to enforce against spiritual liberties. We have a separation of church and state in America, which means that the state should not dictate to churches what they should do. That's why so many people originally at the foundation of our country, people fled uh, Europe because they're seeing that there were state-controlled churches and um, they wanted to come to have religious liberties and freedom. And so that's a wonderful thing about America. You can be Christian, you can be Muslim, you can be... um, Jewish, whatever religion Mm -hmm. you can, and freely participate. The separation of church and state does not mean that the people of faith should not speak into what's happening in the culture. As a Christian myself, I look at what's happening where comprehensive sex education has passed at 2 in the morning. It's a deep sickness, and it's all part of the whole agenda to let Planned Parenthood be in the middle schools as the health provider, provider they call it, and then let 13-year-old girls get abortions without a parent knowing it. Mm-hmm. And I think people of faith need to rise up because right now our culture is crumbling, and we need to be very active in doing so. But what John MacArthur said about, he said, Christ is the head of the church, not Caesar. And what he means is yeah. that the government's not should not dictate to churches how they should function. We have freedom under the Constitution. And in Washington State, we have a Constitution that controls us and not a king, even though Jay Inslee wants to act like a king sitting in a mansion in Olympia. Yeah. No, that's definitely, I think, it's a very, like, uh, like sensitive area or, like, you know, dangerous area to be in as far as, like, dictating for church meetings and whatnot. Because I guess the idea is 
if you decide that COVID is too risky for me to meet, then tomorrow it could be like, hey, there's, the weather is not safe enough, so you cannot go to church. Hey, the, something else is not safe enough, that, therefore another reason you shouldn't go to church. So it's like if you give them you know, one reason that they you know, use, then yeah, especially thing right now that we get to see the numbers and rates, so that people that are actually get hospitalized and even more so people that die from the, d- the disease, and it would be nice for people to get to decide, like, hey, this is my risk. If I want to go to a restaurant and eat, hey, I know there's a risk of me getting sick, maybe even dying. And then for me to have that freedom to decide, like, hey, if I don't feel safe enough, then I stay at home. Or if I'm willing to take the risk, I'm able to go to a restaurant, go to church, understanding my risk and having the freedom to make mm-hmm. that choice if I want to take that risk or not. Yep. But, yeah, you, but you mentioned Planned Parenthood. I didn't always, you know, understood that, like, you know, not a good organization, getting plenty of tax. I think last time around they got, they used to get, like, 550. Now this time around they got, like, 500 million in pretty much tax taxpayer money support. What's, I guess, why is why do they get such a political, you know, backing and support? Or Because I don't know much about their organization, just knowing they're evil. So watch some a couple of videos here and there. But why are, do they, let's say, even this whole COVID thing, Planned Parenthood has been open, if I understand right. Yeah, they consider getting an abortion an essential service right now. It's just awful to think of the uh, life of an unborn child being taken during this period of time called as essential. You know, Planned Parenthood wants to call a baby inside a mother not a human, and yet when they finally do the abortion and they're selling the body parts, they'll call it human parts. So it's just a disgusting thing to consider. And in Washington State, we have Planned Parenthood have such strength because Jay Inslee's wife, Trudy, is very involved. So we have public health in Washington State that has been underfunded for the last seven years, even though public health has been continued to ask for support. But they've been funding Planned Parenthood more than public health. Mm-hmm. So during a time of, uh, you know, before this crisis when they should have been planning for a pandemic, they underfunded public health and rather spent the remaining money on planning for heroin injection sites. So clearly the leadership in Washington state is detached from all reality of what's going on within our society. And we need new leadership that really looks out for the citizens and keeps people in a healthy state and alive. Yeah, no. And yeah, it's weird. Uh, yeah. For, it seems like a random organization, you know, its own kind of nonprofit, but has such a big involvement in politics and, such amazing support from government as far as money and, you know, mm-hmm. financial support and, you know, government funding one thing and, you know, the whole injection side. And then right now, can, I guess the Seattle jail, they're planning to shut that down to kind of like, and then, I mean, those, the whole, I think the idea, the utopian idea of like, oh, we're going to focus on counseling and all that stuff. But the idea is, you know, they are very, you know, when it comes to drug addiction, all those things are very complicated issues to deal with and just saying oh we'll send them to counseling and that will mm-hmm. resolve the problem and i think as far as you know shutting down prisons shutting down jail it's not a, i think it's not a prison it's a jail but i still i feel like the crime rate and all that stuff i don't know if that's a good idea let's say when you are elected what's your view on you know shutting down more jails and then i guess hopefully they get counseled out of their problems, the people that are like making trouble. Yeah, counsel them when they're actually in prison, but don't let them out. I mean, when we're all under house arrest, Jay Inslee let 950 prisoners out of jail, right? Wow. It's just unbelievable. No, we've seen a rapid rise in crime under Jay Inslee where murder is up by 41%, rape is up by 65%. We're seeing people being assaulted on the street because uh, a lot of people want to support their heroin addiction, and so they're 
breaking into people's homes, breaking into people's cars. We live in a state of lawlessness today. We need to enforce the law more, make, make sure that we're standing behind our police, not defund the police, but actually defend the police because they are the first responders that are standing on the front lines protecting our lives each and every day. And so in Washington State, we need to restore safety and civility. We saw what happened four weeks ago in Seattle where they gave those violent protesters or rioters one inch. They took six city blocks. Wow. You know, they didn't enforce the law for weeks on end, and it really compromised 500 different residents down there who saw their constitutional rights taken away, who lived in fear each and every day of what it would look like if they tried to stick their head outside the door because many people were getting assaulted on the street and eight people got shot. Because if you don't speak the narrative of what they want you to speak on the street corners, they'll shoot you where you stand. Yeah, no, this whole defund the police and all of that stuff. Yeah, definitely complex issues and seems like doesn't make sense where even like the whole city council voting to, you know, to take their guns and even as far as pepper spray away. And it's like you have these people, you know, starting fires, breaking buildings. A couple of fires were started in businesses on the bottom floors with apart, apartment buildings above it, and they're okay with that. And then for, yeah, yeah so this whole police thing is very confusing. What's your, what are your thoughts or your theory on why they're trying to make all this? Seems like chaos to continue and to even get worse. Let's say, what are they trying to accomplish with this? Or they're just, you know, trying it's to be political. so good. No, I think it's all political. They're trying to, I mean, look where it's happening. It's happening only in Democrat cities and Democrat states. We see, I think, only nine states right now on lockdown or partial lockdown. The rest are open. And so we have 50 states in America where the chaos is occurring. They're trying to draw Trump into trying to bring in the, uh, the military and then try to criticize him that he's bringing in martial law and they're trying to make the optics look very bad for him, that he can't control the nation. That at the same time, if he comes in and enforces the law, they start to criticize. Look what's happening in Portland right now as the courthouse was being taken over. The federal government had to come in and put fences around it. And now they're talking about bringing suit against the federal government for enforcing the law. But when mayors won't do their job in Washington state, I will, because we have to support the citizens of Washington state. I'll take an oath to protect those citizens. And in times where the mayors back off, like happened in Seattle, and remove the police from that area, that's where I would step in and say I'm going to bring the state patrol and force the laws in Washington state. We have to be quick. We have to be decisive when we do so. No, uh, for sure. And then because I think even with uh, Durkin, she was more viewed a little bit hypocritical because when everything was happening on Capitol Hill, she's okay with it. It's happening. But as soon, you know, one can call it coincidence, but as soon as they march by our house, next day the whole you know chop city you know is cleaned up and yep. everything's gone until but until they march by our house, you know seems like she she was okay with that you know at least to, to a certain point until they came by her house. Yeah, that's right. Once it impacted <clears throat> her, then she was finally willing to make a decision. It's all this selfishness that we see from our leaders today. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jay Inslee sits in the mansion in Olympia that we all pay for and continues to take his $187,000 salary, then throws dictates over a high wall, trying to control each one of our lives. And now in Washington State, just two weeks ago, we had the highest unemployment rate in the nation. We see people waiting for nine weeks to get their unemployment check. We are in a herd in Washington State because of the, Jay Inslee has been an elected official since 1989. He doesn't understand what it means to work in a job and pay people salaries or whatever it might be. He's lived a comfortable lifestyle, flying around on Lear jets across the U.S., 
spending more time out of the state in Iowa than he does spending time in Yakima. So he doesn't want to be the leader of Washington State. He just has nothing else to fall back on. And when they were asked him, will you take a job in Washington, D.C., if a Democrat wins the presidency, he said yes. So it's time for Jay to move on, time for new leadership in Olympia. Oh, for sure. I think think more and more people are seeing, I guess, the true colors, uh, I think, of like – Especially nowadays, I'm sure you know we can criticize both sides, but especially when when it comes to the Democratic side right now, when it comes to, I don't know, I think I'd call it even the hypocrisy of like, oh, you know, in a way preaching one thing, doing something totally different, you know, helping people even though, let's say, with all these movements and everything, let's say with COVID, oh, we're focusing on one thing, but then how many people get hurt, you know, being at home, being locked down, you mentioned, you know, not understanding having a job working and having a small business and mm-hmm. yesterday I was sitting in one sushi place and it's just a father and a son and he's like man I'm paying like almost 15 grand for rent he's like I don't know how long I'm gonna last I asked him about the PPP and all that stuff he's like it's a drop in the bucket you know like it helps you a little yeah. bit but he's like who knows how long it's gonna be going what's your view you know as far as federal you know state level financial assistance or maybe a better option would be to allow people to open up and we don't have to worry about writing out trillion-dollar checks, that yep. somebody's going to have to pay that money back at some point. It's yeah. not, it doesn't come from nowhere. Exactly right. No, the money that we see the federal government or the state government giving out has to be repaid. So, And we, the citizens, are the one with the burden on our back. We're seeing that government continue has to grow over the last uh, 35 years of one-party control of the governor's mansion, 1,500 appointments each and every year that continue to be added by our governors in the past. And right now, we as the citizens are working to uh, support state government. Right now, we need to cut state government by 20 to 25 percent. But ultimately, we're seeing a $54 billion state budget. We're going to project right now an 8 to $9 billion shortfall. So the way forward from this, obviously, is number one, to, to cut state spending. And then we need to get the economy moving again. And right now, there's so much regulation in Washington state. It's 57,000 pages that put a burden on small business. So in order uh-huh. to move our economy forward, we need to remove many of those regulations. We need to lower taxes on businesses and individuals so no more jobs are created and those jobs can help support individual families. When uh, definitely familiar when it comes to like regulations and small businesses because even the Slavic community, a lot of my friends you know, was involved uh, in trucking business, more on like administrative side. So I'm very familiar you know, with the audits and all of that stuff and regulations. And even as far as truck driving, it seems like you know a very hard job. You know, guys are away from home 250, 300 days out of the year. They're away from home, wow. and it seems like you know each year there's a more regulation. Like the, they're not able to make as much money as they could because of more and more regulation. And then you mentioned uh, cut, uh, cutting budgets. Of course, you know when it comes to taxes and all of that stuff, Washington State is very generous when it comes to taxing people. But then when it comes to cutting, I think it's always not easy. You know, once you take the money away from people, you know, add taxes, it's a lot harder to, seems like for government to be like, you know what, now you guys take this money back, we don't need it as much. Yep. What areas do you see that would be, we would be able to cut and save some money when it comes to, you know, people paying taxes and, you know, hopefully, you know, makes people's lives a little bit easier. But I guess what areas would you consider cutting and saving money on? Well, there's so many areas in uh, Washington state government that we need to see cut back. I mean... During this period of time, we've not seen any government employees cut. Actually, they've added 1,500 new state employees to track and trace each one of our movements. 
So what we need is fiscal conservative policies. So when I appoint department heads, it will be individuals that have the understanding that I'm going to be coming to them and saying, you need to look at your department and look for 20 to 25 percent cuts in what you are currently seeing from last year. And so in January, I'll be appointing constitutionalists. I'll be appointing people that are fiscally conservative. And then they're going to have to each one find those cost savings. And that could be that we need to let some state employees go. Um, I think there's going to be some efficiencies that we find in spending. We we ultimately need to to go back to the budget about from three years ago. So we're not talking about a long time ago. But last year, they increased the budget by 17%. So clearly, we have the ability to be able to make those wise decisions and we really have to because there's no money yeah no and is it's weird for let's say budgets to to keep increasing and let's say taxes keep increasing even though it seems like washington is doing a great job growing you know with amazon and microsoft and you know all the businesses around those businesses it seems like the revenue you know is a lot higher even in, in the state and you know local cities and it seems like they're you know income or, you know, the money from taxes is higher because, of, you know, businesses grow so much. And, yeah, it seems like it's always we need more, we need more, we, we're, it's not yeah. enough. So it's always, I feel like when somebody's like, oh, we're going to cut budget, it seems complicated. And uh, when it comes to, uh, let's say, w- when you are elected and hopefully you, uh, you are, and I think a lot of Slavic community obviously has your back and, yeah. uh, you know, would want somebody more conservative, uh, fiscal, uh, fiscally conserva- uh, conservative. But uh, in, in one, uh, let's say when it comes to let's say when it comes to state, how much power do you have? Uh, let's say as far as let's say negotiating contracts and let's say the, how the money is being spent and to who the money is going to. Is it going to hey somebody to know somebody and that way you know? Let's say I don't know if I got the numbers right, but let's say with I know when the ST three the train that's being built. And apparently, you know, they got a bid, let's say, for like $64 billion, mm-hmm. and the Bellevue is like, hey, we hired these guys. We got the bid from the guys that Seattle is hiring, and they did it for almost like half the price. Yep. And Seattle was pretty much like, no, we, we're, we know these guys. We're willing to pay them pretty much double. And it seems like just kind of a friend of a friend getting, yep. you know, these contracts are ridiculous you know, numbers and prices. Ridiculous numbers. Absolutely. The bidding process is out of control in Washington state. No, we need far more transparency and accountability there. Um, One gentleman that's running for office right now, his name is Chris Leba, and he's running for state auditor. And we need to have Chris Leba elected in November. He is as smart as you can imagine and understands how to look for uh, corruption and look for efficiencies in state government. So certainly when we look at the bidding process and see some folks enriching others. I mean, I look at the misappropriation of funds coming out of ESD, the Employee Security Department, where a billion dollars was sent to a Nigerian fraud ring. There is no way that that's not an inside job, meaning that some people inside ESD are part of that problem of sending our tax dollars to a fraud ring. If we're noticing we're sending so much money and unemployment benefits out of the state of Washington, you, you, I mean, it should be obvious. And so how many, well, look at the head. Uh, the head of ESD is still there. She has not been fired. And they knew that we were going to go bankrupt on May 1st and didn't even tell the public until June 30th. So they're covering up. They're hiding. She's still there because uh, Jay Inslee's not fired her because she's a Democrat fundraiser. So, again, Jay Inslee's looking out for his own personal interest rather than the interest of the citizens to make sure that they're protected. Yeah, I think the government spending is a big issue and because, uh, again, uh, 
I think when it comes to spending, you know, let's say, when it comes to like different welfare systems and all of that stuff, and they're good assistant programs. You know, a lot of us in Slavic community, when we came, we got a jump start, and it's nice to see when people didn't really take advantage of it, but really use it as an assistance. You know, like I know for my parents, they were I think when we came to America. Uh, 2002, they, I think they were on welfare for about two years, and then my dad's like, hey, I'm familiar enough, you know, got his CDL, mom started her own small business, well, okay, now we're ready, you know, to move on and start working and, you know, starting their own small businesses, so welfare was useful, but then, you know, for a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, you know, may take advantage of, of these programs, but then again, when it comes to government, if I got the numbers right, is when government's collecting money, let's say, in taxes, to do some some sort of assistance programs, only 10 cents out of a dollar actually gets to the actual people in assistance, and 90% gets, you know, quote-unquote lost or spent within government and all the administrative and back and forth. Yep. And so let's say they collect, you know, a million dollars, only 10% of that act actually gets to people's citizens' pockets that actually right. need the assistance. Right. Yeah, there's so much waste. After 35 years of one party control of governor's mansion, you can imagine there's been no transparency. I mean, Jay Inslee takes millions of dollars of political contributions. Then he goes behind closed doors and negotiates contracts out of public eye. Mm -hmm. When I was mayor of the city of Bothell and also served on council there for 12 years, when we would have negotiations or passing a budget, we would come out to the people to make sure that what we were doing was supported by the citizens of the city of Washington or city of Washington, yeah. city of Bothell, because it's their tax dollars. We have this attitude down in Olympia where if we know we're going bankrupt on May 1st, they don't want to tell the citizens for two months. Keep it silent. Keep it quiet. It. What we need is far more transparency. It's interesting down in Olympia that they have excluded themselves from what is called the Open Public Meetings Act, the OPMA. They can make all these decisions behind closed doors, come out and take a vote. Like last year at uh, midnight, they passed a 17% spending increase, literally at midnight, and then used what's called a title-only bill to pass $2.7 billion in new taxes with no public vote, no public insight. And then Jay Inslee signs it into law. I would never sign a budget without the public having opportunity to speak to it because it's their money. It's a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. That's the intent of how it's supposed to be. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, for us, more leaning, more conservative. And that's kind of, you know, more like on a, pol on a policy side and views on, you know, different areas of government. But let's say right now, primaries, you said, yeah, with the what, in like six, six days? Six Nine, days. Six yeah. days. Tuesday. <laughs> and one of the, I guess, first question is, or how, let's say, to encourage people, and even, you know, from you, to actually go out, you know, fill, uh, fill out the ballot, send it out. What do you, what do you think is, is the issue? Because me and Ruben was, were sitting a couple of days ago, and we're looking at the, like, percentage of people that are voting, so we're looking more for yeah. local, local government. So I know, like, Federal City Mayor, only 8.5% of the people actually elected the city mayor. And, you know, some people may complain, like, he's too liberal, he's too progressive, too, too far left-leaning. And it's like, well, only 8.5% of the federal way <laughs> citizens actually elected right. and mm -hmm. people didn't vote. So I guess why, why did, is it so hard for people to, you know, mark out the ballot and throw in, a, in the post office? It's just uh, at times it becomes complacency because literally today we have ballots mailed to people's homes. The postage, the postage is paid for, so they don't have to search for a stamp in the drawer in the kitchen. 
They just have to fill in a, with a little bubble who they like, put an envelope and stick it right in front of their house in the mailbox or put it to a ballot box at one of the drop-off locations. So yeah, we definitely need people to be involved with what's happening in elections today because we can see, certainly in the governor's race, how one man can make a decision to negatively impact 7.5 million citizens in Washington state. I'm actually a lead contributor to what is called an Initiative 1114, and this is to limit the emergency powers of the governor to 14 days. So I'm willing to even invest my own money to say next year my own powers as governor should be limited because no man or woman should have that much power to destroy the lives of 7.5 million citizens. We have a constitution again. I would rule from a position of understanding the constitutional rights of our citizens and then trying to do all I can to make sure that we can get government out of the way so small businesses can create jobs, we get our economy moving again, and then restore safety and civility in Washington State by enforcing the laws. Mm -hmm. And we don't allow violent rioters to go break into people's windows and assault people on the street. Yeah, no, hopefully. And I I think this year it seems like more and more people are more involved with politics, Mm -hmm. and hopefully there's going to be a much higher turnout and people actually, you know, do vote and participate in voting. And you mentioned, you know, you know, Washington State, we can do voting through mail. Yeah. And we're now kind of like the big discussion when it comes to, you know, federal elections and presidential elections. And there's a fight between, you know, mail-in or no mail-in, in-person. Why is that such a big problem when it comes to mail-in voting, let's say, as far as presidential elections? Well, a lot of people have concern about mail-in voting because of uh, the fraud. I mean, we've experienced fraud in Washington State before, um, actually every election probably, but especially when magical ballots and boxes are found in the back of election offices that tip elections in certain ways, like for Christine Gregoire against Dino Rossi many years ago. So I'd love to go back to a standard polling place where you walk in the front and you go to a private booth and you, you vote for who you want after you show your ID. I think we cut down on a lot of, uh, of fake voters out there right now because a lot of people are using their dead loved ones' uh, ballots to vote for them and there's a dif- discrepancy of, of what's happening in elections. I want to jump on one thing really quick. We saw this year when people don't participate, like you said, talking about only a fraction vote, when comprehensive sex education was passed on the House floor at 2 in the morning, it really woke up people across Washington State Mm -hmm. that says, wow, we need to pay attention to what's going on with our elected officials, because if we don't participate, then horrible things like comprehensive sex education compromising the minds of young, innocent kids goes forth. Thankfully, I co-sponsored and uh, supported Referendum 90, which allowed us to get on the ballot. So now we need to reject Referendum 90, which will end comprehensive sex education. So I've appreciated the Slavic community for being very involved in gathering signatures so we could qualify Referendum 90 for the ballot so we can reverse the bad decisions that happened down Olympia. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, hopefully, especially with our younger generation that were more and more familiar because I think the assumption always was, you know, the big emphasis because, you know, a lot of money is being spent on federal elections and presidential elections. And you feel like that's kind of the, you know, catch all, fix all, you know, as long as we have the right president. And I think right now we understand more and more how much effect the local government has because we see like, hey, president says one thing, easily says something totally different, very opposite of that. It's like, well, maybe we should have somebody better than Inslee yeah. in local government <laughs> yep. rather than just voting about, you know, having a you know, conservative or Republican uh, president. But speaking of voting and selecting, I think right now, especially, you know, on the more conservative side, 
the two names that are mentioned that I hear more most often yeah. is hey Joshua Freed or Kolb, and question you know why should people choose Joshua Freed over maybe another you know conservative Col- yeah was him Col- Colin was it yeah Lauren Kolb. La- Lauren Kolb. yeah hmm. why why is Joshua Freed a better option than Lauren Kolb? Because it takes a lot of experience to run the state of Washington. It's like running a Fortune 100 company, and he simply does not have any management experience. He was just asked on uh, TV uh, about his uh, he, uh, his uh, police office or police department in uh, Republic. And the Brandy Cruz said, well, how many people you got there that you're managing? He says, nobody, because I'm here on vacation. There's nobody mm-hmm. in the police force. And so... I was mayor of the city of Bothell, 47,000 people in that city. I had uh, police there. I had firefighters there. I've run my own real estate investment company for 15 years with hundreds of people on my job sites. I've volunteered for 21 years around the world, whether it's in Amsterdam or in Kenya and um, in the Philippines and elsewhere. I just understand what it means to address a lot of difficult things that are before us and how to pull coalitions together. I served on the King County Mental Health Advisory Board. I served on PSRC Economic Development Committee. We have to have somebody that on day one understands how to be able to move our state forward. He simply does not have anywhere near that experience. None of the candidates besides me have the ability to go up against Jay Inslee in November and win. I've been elected uh, here in the King County and Snohomish County, serving on multiple different boards having run Initiative 27, having run uh, Referendum 90, now involved in Initiative 1114. And I'm endorsed by the King County Republican Party, the Snohomish County Republican Party, the Benton County Republican Party, a lot of chairs of the Republican Party from Snohomish County, Skagit Valley, or Skagit County, Pierce County, Kitsap County, many leaders in Washington State that have volunteered like I have for 25 years truly understand that I am a conservative, pro-life, pro-gun Christian guy that wants to see that we can restore safety and civility in Washington state and move us forward. So simply the difference is a vastly more experience than any of the other mm-hmm. opponents right now. Yeah. And I think when obviously like nowadays, you know, more and more people having political discussions and all of that stuff and topics come up like, Hey, you're free to cope all that stuff. And I think one, another concern with Culp is yes, he's conservative, but the question is, for Washington State, is he too conservative? Like, yeah, maybe, you know, in ideal, kind of like nice to have like a really conservative guy that really, but it's like in Washington State, it's maybe, you know, nice to have a conservative guy, but more, you know, you have, you know, plenty of experience conservative, but maybe not as somebody would call us far right. Uh, mm-hmm. In Washington State, kind of, it's nice to, you know, attract, you know, other voters that maybe are upset with Inslee, but maybe looking at Cope, they're like, well, this guy is maybe way too far right for me, and I think people are more looking at Joshua Freed, more like, hey, he's a conservative guy, but he's able to get the votes and, you know, has the experience, has the understanding of how politics work. It makes sense that, you know, here you start some minimum wage job, and it seems like it takes you a while to kind of get the training, get the hang of the job, yeah. but to become, you know, a state governor, and like, all right, I have no idea how the processes work, yep. I got to learn, and then figure out what's the best option, what failed before, what worked, you know, before, and it seems like it would be a lot long learning experience before you can start like implementing any laws or budgets or any of those things and it seems like Absolutely. you you're more experienced and kind of hit the ground running I've already dealt with tens of millions of dollars of budget and understand the budgeting process certainly so 
um, I look forward to being an Olympian, finally helping the citizens of Washington State have somebody that will represent their interests rather than what we have right now as a governor who enjoy, enjoys running for president and doesn't truly understand what's happening. When four weeks ago asked, are you aware of what's happening on Capitol Hill? He said he's unaware. I got to tell you, he's unaware of what's happening throughout all 39 counties in Washington state. I know because I've been there. Mm -hmm. I've traveled around this state, met with individuals, understood their stories, and I hear the vision of which they want for Washington state. Jay Inslee's just detached and truly does not understand. It's time for new leadership. He's running for a third term, and he doesn't deserve it. I'm happy to say um, that I met with the Republican Governors Association in D.C. two weeks ago. It was my second meeting with them. I met once with them in September. But they believe my background, my platform, my experience is what will perfectly match up against Jay Inslee in November. And they've not spent money in Washington State in years, and now they've made Washington one of their four targets this year. So this is our opportunity. We have to take advantage of it. Yeah, I think Yeah, it seems like if there was ever a time – for Washington State to flip red because <laughs> one of my friends like a while back he's like had he's a big believer that you know many states are gonna flip red this time around because of what's happening in democratic cities and states and at first I was like there's no way but right now I'm more and more optimistic that I was like hey, if there's a if there was ever a chance if there was ever a time I'll be awesome to see yeah. the when you start seeing the voting results and you know watching any news and usually Washington State an hour into collecting ballots, they're like, ah, blue, you know, we already flipped it. Uh, but it would be nice to see, like, would maybe a close competition at the end almost seems, you know, a lot to ask for, but for Washington State to, uh, you know, go Republican and flip and, you know, go more conserv- conservative ra- route. So for, like, for businesses, for large businesses, for small businesses, our community, a lot of small businesses would be nice to see their life, you know, get a little bit easier as far as, like, regulation, taxing, all of those things. This is our year. I mean, Jay Inslee has a negative 57% disapproval right now. Only 41% of the state would vote for him, and only one county, um, all 39 counties, gives him a positive rating. So this is what we've been waiting for for 35 years. And so I'm asking for people's vote, make sure they fill out their ballots, contact a few of their friends, and ask them to vote for Joshua Freed as well. And they can visit freedforgovernor.com. That's F-R-E-E-D, freedforgovernor.com, to learn a little bit more about the, the race. Yeah, and I know you were on a time constraint. We have to finish up very quickly. But I wanted to go through at least as many of the questions that sure. were submitted. And one of the questions was a younger mom you know, having kids, and she was uh, with the whole talk going on with the COVID and vaccines. A lot of, you know, maybe somebody would call conspiracy theories and all of those things and everything in between. When it comes to vaccines and mandatory vaccines and all those things, where do you think where where you would be as a governor when it comes to, especially I think when it comes to COVID vaccines and making them mandatory and all of those things? I'm not for mandatory vaccinations. I believe that we have freedom in America to make those decisions for ourselves. So I'm not. Yeah, I think that was that was a special thing for moms and. They're getting a lot of information and all of that stuff when it comes to vaccines. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm. Uh, it's been pretty good. Room. Anything you, you want to add that you've been thinking about through this uh, conversation? I mean, there's a few things, but I'll just ask one, maybe two questions. <clears throat> one: Why are primaries so important for you? Do you have? Is there a chance for Joshua to still be on the primary election, or I guess on the general, 
or do you have to win this primary in order to be on the general ballot against Inslee? We're a top two state, so only the two top vote getters go forward. So right now in the governor's race, there are 35 individuals yeah. that are running. And so we have to make sure that we are 36 individuals. We have to make sure that we get through. So it will be Jay Inslee and Joshua Freed. Nice. I love it. And then another one was, I guess, uh, going back on a little, we talked on socialism. Why do you think that this culture of like, you know, give free college to everyone, why do you think it's so prevalent in America? We understand coming from parents that were uh, run in a communist country. They mm-hmm. understand that you don't you don't want to go this direction, but maybe from someone who's a little bit older, you've lived a little bit longer. Why do you think that people have such a they have such this, a beautiful picture of socialism? And we know history repeats itself, and we know that true socialism socialism has never been tried. But why do you think that's such a big deal in America, and we see it a lot, especially in democratic states? Yeah, it's interesting. They've decided that this uh, is what they want, and it all comes from the bedrock of they just want to be able to have government provide all the the resources to you, and that allows them to have the time to go down to the streets and riot and break into people's businesses. You can't do all those things if you have a job. Right. They want to just be able to spread, uh, share their own perspective and spin around on the streets, causing violence and shooting people. Uh, and they want government to help support them during that period of time. I've been to 48 different countries in the world. I lived in Egypt. I lived in Pakistan. And I've traveled to a lot of different places where you can see the negative impacts of when they want to go toward more of a socialist-type environment. We can all understand what happens in Venezuela right. and other places of the world where it takes in a wonderful, strong economy and ultimately destroys it. Mm-hmm. We need people to work. Yeah. And work is a blessing. To be able to work and provide for your family is a gift. It's not a burden. Um, And great confidence, great joy, great self-esteem can come from actually doing a job and doing it well. And then at the end of the day, looking back at your day and knowing that you were able to provide for your wife, for your husband, or your kids, like that is a great thing that we can, as Americans, continue to celebrate. We are the land of opportunity, right. which is why people literally are breaking into our country because they want to be part of what we're doing here. And yet we have socialists like Shauna Sawant and others to think that we need to destroy ultimately the American dream. I think that's obviously the wrong direction to go. And you can see that the basis of socialism sitting down in Seattle, the bastion of socialism in the Emerald City and Capitol Hill, they had to take over violently. So if their policies actually worked, they would have not had to riot and burn cars and break into people's individual businesses. Socialism has failed. Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess the last question from my end is what is your biggest why? What is the reason politics gets so dirty, so nasty, you know, some would say even so corrupt. Why is Joshua investing his time? He's essentially putting time away from running his business. You could leave him alone. He'll be well. Why is he running for governor? And what is the number one motivator for you? For me and my wife and my five kids, we talked about this. We prayed about it, made the decision to jump in because when we see something going wrong, we feel uh, personal responsibility to be part of the difference. And when we saw the rise of crime in Washington state and the rise of homelessness, as we see that what the things are contributing to it, our drug addiction, uh, mental health issues that are not being addressed, we saw that the governor is ignoring it. And if anything, making it worse. And because I believe, and I have the solutions to address what's happening in those areas, we decided that this is the year to run. 
so we can turn around what's happening in a broken mental health system where we see 30% of the homeless are struggling from mental illness or we look at addiction where now 80% of the homeless are struggling from drug or alcohol addiction. We have to enforce the laws in the state as well as get people on a pathways to success and get them off of the drugs, not enable them and help them move forward in addiction, which ultimately leads toward suicide, but actually... I call it loving our neighbor, which yeah. is I what I feel called personally because of my faith is say I'm not in agreement of you just living in garbage heaps surrounded by garbage and needles living on a freeway or a blue tarp. But no, I think you have a greater purpose in life and we're going to help you get you on a pathways to success to become a vital member of society again. No, that's good. And of course, you got six days before primaries. So you got a busy schedule. So again, thank you for yeah, meeting with you. us, for talking to us. Hopefully, you know, more people are encouraged and once again want to put emphasis. If you're able, you know, to vote, to actually, you know, mark off, it's a very easy process, very easy thing to do, very simple to do, to mark off, mark off Joshua Freitas, the state go- first state governor, and hopefully, you know, when time comes around and Washington State, you know, leans more conservative, more red, and, you know, it's better, you know, for churches, for small businesses, for families, and better overall but yeah once again joshua thank you for meeting with us in your busy schedule and looking forward to seeing you in the general election (laughs) and winning and celebrating and (laughs) absolutely so that that's going to be exciting anything else maybe you'd want to add in closing no i just want to say thank you both gentlemen for this opportunity may god bless you and thank you so much for the support of the slavic community and for your vote appreciate it all right thank you